The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, Episode 84. Welcome to The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. I'm your host, Dr. Yishai Barkadari, psychologist and adaptability coach to entrepreneurs and business leaders. I believe that working on your business is more important than working in your business. If you want to achieve your business goals and dreams without the cost and pain of having to make every mistake yourself, then The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is the podcast for you. I'm here to help you learn from the lessons of entrepreneurs and business leaders to help you work on yourself and your business so that you can save time, energy, and grow faster. For those of you new to the show, The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai presents three new episodes each week on Insight Sunday we dive into the minds of business leaders through insightful guest interviews. On Story Tuesday, we dig deeper with them and learn firsthand from their stories, hard-earned lessons, and experience. On Thrive Thursday, it's just you and me on the couch, where you'll hear scientific research, my thoughts, and tangible tactics to adapt and grow yourself and your business. Grab a proverbial seat and listen up so you can learn from the minds and mistakes business leaders and apply their wisdom to your life and business. Welcome to Thrive Thursday with Dr. Yishai. This week on the Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, I continue to sit and chat with Michael Coles, founder, former chairman and CEO of the Great American Cookie Company, former chairman, CEO, and board member of Caribou Coffee, and among many other accomplishments, author of Time to Get Tough, How Cookies, Coffee, and a Crash Led to Success in Business and Life. You got a double dose of stories and lessons this week? because our conversation was so packed and full of value. On Story Sunday, we discussed the Goliath analogy from his book, Stepping into the Arena, and we also dig into Michael's first and most influential mentor with the lessons that served him as future co-founder and CEO. On Story Tuesday, we discussed how caring for people, both your teams and your customers, creates success and how to engage in comparison and competition to drive your personal and business growth. Today, I'm diving deeper into why caring for your people matters in business. I share research and tangible tactics and takeaways to get you thinking how you can grow your business through taking care of your teams. Before we dive in, I wanted to share that the Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is brought to you by Adaptability Coaching and Consulting. If you lead a six or seven plus figure business and experience a drag or dip in your growth, If you notice diminishing engagement or passion in your business, if you want to eliminate exhaustion and burnout in yourself or your teams, if you sense that you or your company would grow faster and stronger if you could just pivot efficiently and effectively when circumstances change like they had so much in 2020, then you've got an adaptability problem. Adaptability coaching and consulting will give you and your business the psychology and neuroscience-backed tools to understand and leverage core adaptability skills through the unique 3D adaptation framework. You can learn to harness and leverage core adaptability skills to grow yourself and your company. You can learn to become fast, flexible, and formidable. You can learn to turn tough circumstances, reactions, and exhaustion into energy, excitement, and excellence 
for you and your company. To learn more, go to dryishai.com slash coaching or dryishai.com slash consulting. And now, without further ado, let's dive into why caring for your people matters in business. By day, I work as a psychologist, seeing patients who struggle with a range of mental health challenges and adapting. Of course, the past year has brought so much that myself and my colleagues have been really busy and at times completely swamped with requests for new patients and returning patients alike. But one often underreported or misunderstood aspect of their lives that very often comes into play in my experience is work. There have been over two decades of research and focus on work issues like stress, psychological safety, mental health, and outcomes like productivity, turnover, burnout, and even company growth. Many therapists have at least some training in work-related issues, and it was part of my PhD program, and it was also part of the exam I had to take to get my license as a psychologist. But not all therapists have the same depth of training, and not everybody thinks about work in the same way. Some of the common themes that I've heard among my patients, which have really got me thinking and drawing from them outside of the therapy room, is how impactful and difficult it can be when somebody has an unresponsive or unsupported leader, whether that's just their direct manager or the leadership all the way to the top. Another theme that I've heard and seen a lot of is when people have to look out for themselves. And there's a lot of different ways that that can show up. Sometimes it looks like having to advocate for their career path or for their growth or advancement. Other times it's having to advocate and push just to address their needs in the workplace or limits. And sometimes it includes legal limits, like having so much work dumped on them that it's impossible to get it done in 40 or even 50 hours a week. Some of those things can contribute to overwork, overload, overwhelm, stress, fear, exhaustion, burnout. There's so many different consequences that I think are really important and I'm going to dive into in a moment. But before I do, I also want to mention that I have often heard of, or by the reports of my patients, understood that there may be a lack of effort or energy put into the culture, community, or connection experience at work, among many other aspects. And that's something that I think really speaks to what Michael and I, as we sat down this week, were really discussing about how important it is to care and how caring is such a big part of success, both inside your company and between everybody who works with and serves your customers and your clients. So let's talk about the consequences. I mentioned exhaustion, stress, fear, burnout, also lower motivation and productivity. Productivity takes a real hit when people are exhausted, when they're stressed, or when they're afraid. I'm going to touch a little bit later on psychological safety as well. Some of the other consequences also are high turnover. The number of patients I've had who have just said that they need to leave their job, they have to find somewhere else to work because of what they're experiencing at work, and often that comes down to a lack of caring in a number of ways, is really high. And in addition to my own experience, a research team made up of four researchers, Rubenstein, Eberly, Lee, and Mitchell, conducted a meta-analysis, which is taking a bunch of research studies together 
and looking at them in terms of the commonality of their factors and analyzing what are the most important factors across many, many studies and many, many people included in those studies. And so in 2017, their meta-analysis looked at all these different pieces of research studies on factors of turnover. And they came up with some really important core findings and understandings that are really relevant here and that I'm going to summarize for you. First, it is extremely common for people to leave as a result of issues with their managers or leaders and that having a really positive experience with a manager or leader can actually help buffer against turnover or churn. As they dug into it, Rubenstein and the team discovered that people leave the leader when they feel they're not being handled fairly, when their employer failed to deliver on their promises or commitments, and how people act and feel in their teams also contributes a lot to determining when people choose to leave because of leadership, management structure, and interactions. A second important set of findings are that people have a tendency to leave the environment or the workplace when there's a lack of clarity regarding expectations from them and in their job, when there's monotony, when there's a low degree of autonomy, that they're being told exactly what to do, or they don't have a lot of latitude in how they do things. Feedback is really scarce or uncommon, when the work they're doing seems unimportant or unimpactful, when there's little or no communication or information about why they're assigned the work that they're assigned to do, or when there is an experience of not having meaningful input or contribution to the decision-making process, whether that's just for themselves or their work, or perhaps in a broader way, for the company and the direction that the company is going. Another finding is that people have a tendency to leave when they're pursuing their own career advancement. And when there are very few training or career growth opportunities, it really matters more to them than just something like their salary. Okay, so what do we do with all of these insights, with all of these factors that came out of this research, the meta-analysis that's looked at so much research that's been coming out over the last decade or two. I'm going to outline four really important takeaways and approaches that you can start to think about and really implement for yourself and in your company. And it's going to come down to the following core principle. The experience inside your business deeply affects everyone who works there. And so the four takeaways that I'm going to talk about, I like to call the four C's of creating an internal culture of productivity, engagement, and fulfillment. Each one is going to outline a principle. And from there, I'm going to dive into and pull out and talk about some different examples and ways that you can apply them. The first C is clarity. One of the things that Brene Brown often says is that clear is kind and unclear is unkind. And so one of the really important things that you can think about and take away from this is how important it is to clearly communicate expectations. For anybody that you hire in any position, it's really important to be abundantly clear exactly what's expected of them 
And we'll get to other things that you can be clear with as well. But it really starts with clarity regarding their role, their responsibilities. It's important to maintain that clarity, both from the leadership and also in the teams with everybody they interface with. Knowing who is responsible for a particular piece of work or a follow-up or some email is really important because it helps reduce the likelihood of what has been known as the bystander effect. When everybody may agree on something that's important, but because it's not made clear exactly who it's assigned to, everybody may end up thinking that somebody else is going to take it on, or they may not assume that it's their responsibility, or they might inaccurately assume it's their responsibility and then step on other people's toes. I know I mentioned the bystander effect. If you're familiar with it, it came out of research that followed a horrific situation when a woman was murdered on the street and more than 40 people were aware of it happening. But each of them had assumed that somebody else had called the police or called 911. And so none of them chose to pick up the phone and call 911 themselves. One of the important things that's come out of that is when it comes to CPR or lifeguard training or emergency training of many different kinds, is that one of the key steps that gets drilled into a first responder or an emergency responder's head and procedure is to point the finger at different people and tell them exactly what you expect or need them to do, including something like calling 911. And clarity is not just for emergency situations. It's really important in everyday situations because without that clarity, somebody may not know what they are expected to do. They may later on be penalized for that. And because of the lack of clarity and a lack of communication of that clarity, they are put into the position of now being responsible or blamed or reprimanded for something they had no clear indication and therefore no expectation that it would be assumed or on their shoulders to be responsible for. The second C of creating an internal culture of productivity, engagement, and fulfillment is all about contribution. Contribution includes a number of different components. One is that the person experiences themselves as meaningfully contributing to the company's mission, to the values, to the outcomes that are important to the company. In addition to that, their contribution needs to be personally meaningful or aligned with their own values or something that they care about. An important example of that is, let's say somebody has a really strong belief, and I'm going to use a political example just for the sake of having it be a very strong belief that can be really challenging. If somebody is very staunchly pro-life, and they get put into a position where they're required to do fundraising for a political campaign or for a company that is pro-choice, they may experience the work that they do as being very strongly against their own internal values. In a way, they might experience themselves not only as not contributing meaningfully, but contributing to something that is against their internal value system. 
a different version of that is if somebody doesn't care about the cause that they are working for, it doesn't matter to them for whatever the reason is, or they don't care about the mission of the company, or they don't care for the culture or the values that the company has, then their work or their way of being, which may have its own values and could be aligned with a different company, are either going to be misaligned with the company or organization they work for, and perhaps on top of that, not only will their personal values not fit in with the company, but the values that they may want to or choose to live by may clash with the company. And if they try to hold that down or ignore it or act in ways that are consistent with the company's values, their contribution might not feel meaningful. It might even be experienced as though they have to go against their internal value system or their own nature just in order to do what is expected or being communicated for them in that environment. One other thought on contribution is that when a person has a repetitive or rote job, it can become really understimulating and it can even be boring. Now, I know I talk a lot about emotions and boring is an emotion that shows up when we experience ourselves as being understimulated or underutilized, when we are seeking or needing to expand or grow or develop or be stimulated in some way. And there are a lot of different ways that we can be stimulated. But if somebody's work experience or their experience at your company is that their job can be done in their sleep and they are seeking or wanting or needing more, then that can become its own problem of contribution. Now, not every person is like that. There are some people who really love to engage within their competence. And there are some areas in which some of the things they may be doing are very familiar to them. And perhaps there are ways in which it can still be engaging or different or stimulating where they get to use the set of skills they're so familiar with in a different set of circumstances or under different or new challenges. As we know, work brings with it many different kinds of challenges and new situations on a daily basis. But if what somebody does is so repetitive and so rote and so devoid of any new experience or challenge, then that can be its own problem. So what's really important with contribution is to focus on how you and your company can allow everybody who works there to meaningfully contribute. And a lot of that may have to do with HR in terms of being intentional with who you hire. We just talked about clarity before contribution and even in your hiring process to communicate really clearly about who you are as a company, what you do, and that it's really important for you to get people on board who really care about exactly what it is that you do and who know and understand how their contribution is so important and meaningful. And I think it's really important, and I'm going to be really honest and blunt with you, if that's inauthentic, if it's not genuine, if you're not really being direct, and if it's not how you act in a consistent way inside the company, if it's not part of the experience of the person you hire, then saying it at the beginning is only setting yourself and them up for disappointment and even for a kind of failure to have that clarity and the communication. So coming back to the C of contribution, it's really about ensuring that everybody at your company understands and experiences that they meaningfully contribute to the company's mission and that that mission is aligned with something that's personally meaningful or is consistent with their own values. The third C is caring. I like to think about it as support, both from leadership and their teams and their peers. 
And I think it's really important to talk about some of the research and the work of Adam Grant, who talks about how it's okay to have a lot of demands at a workplace as long as, along with it, there's really high support. That recipe is a recipe for productivity, engagement, success, and even fulfillment. But when there is low support, then having a high demand is a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe to cause a lot of burnout, friction, issues, stress, and all kinds of other negative and undesirable consequences. Stress can be a really big problem when it's unsupported. And when it's unsupported, it can even lead to getting overloaded with work, which leads to overwhelm. And then when that continues over time, it can contribute to exhaustion on a daily basis. And it can also contribute to burnout, which is when a person has nothing left to give. And at some point, their motivation, their internal resources, their productivity is practically non-existent. So what does caring look like? Caring looks like responsiveness. When people communicate their needs, their concerns, it also includes responsiveness and taking people seriously when they contribute their thoughts and ideas, not just dismissing them. It also includes creating a sense of connection and community, which come from the experiences of being cared about for one another. Some of that is really in context of work and the responsibilities and roles that we have at work. But it's not just work. It can also be, and often it's really helpful, to include components of connection and community as part of caring in areas that are outside of work. This is the reason that having work parties, happy hours, events, and other activities that are not just or strictly work-related or training-related for work, but actually go beyond the scope of what we do at work or at our job. That's when it can be really important and powerful in a connective experience. And that's how people experience that those around them, their leadership and their peers, are invested in them and care for them. And speaking of being invested and caring, what follows from that, the last C, the fourth C is cultivation, which is all about advancement and growth. It's really important that a person experiences their workplace, their job, as having opportunities for advancement, that they can move forward or upward in their career or in their lives. Having a pathway forward, especially when that's carved out or contributed or paved when that road is paved by the company. It says, here are the things you can do and here are the ways in which we're going to help you or train you or grow you or develop you so that you can level up, so that you can move to the next level. That cultivation is such a meaningful, important component of creating an engaged and a fulfilling workplace because it allows them to experience themselves as growing. It's very much like planting seeds and putting in the hard work to grow them. If the people at your company are putting in the efforts, they're toiling day in and day out, they're planting seeds, and those seeds are for themselves personally, for their own career and personal life advancement. They want to move forward for their careers, for their lives, for themselves. If they see that those seeds are not starting to sprout and leaf and bear fruit, when they expect that it's not going to lead them to bear fruit, they are going to go elsewhere. They're going to have to pursue it themselves or live with some kind of reality that they're never going to have that. 
And that's a very difficult reality to live with. In fact, it can be really demotivating to be stuck with that reality. And that demotivation is going to absolutely cut into productivity. It's going to cut into efficiency and effectiveness. And it's going to really impact the bottom line of what you're going to get out of a team member, whether they're an individual contributor or a leader in a management role. So to recap, today I talked about why it's important to care for your people at your company. I talked about some of the common themes that I hear and experience on a daily basis as a therapist and how that's helped me understand some of the factors that contribute to issues of turnover in companies and of really struggling to get the most out of their employees, out of their people. And it's really informed how I help leaders understand how to create both a work culture and an environment that inspires that creates engagement and productivity and fulfillment, not just for themselves, but for everyone who's there, which also deeply impacts the experience that clients have. I talked about some of the consequences, the exhaustion, stress, fear, burnout, the turnover. I shared research that was done by Rubenstein and their colleagues. In addition to key takeaways and ways of thinking and considering how you can care for your people, and what to pay attention to in caring for your people. I covered the four C's of creating an internal culture of productivity, engagement, and fulfillment, and I broke apart the different pieces of that, the clarity, the contribution, the caring, and the cultivation that are at the core of how your people experience work and your company, and that may motivate or even demotivate them if it's not being intentionally created by you. And on that note, I'll see you guys next week. Thanks for joining us today on The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. If you enjoyed today's episode, take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It helps grow the show and gives more people like you the ability to learn and grow. You can also click the share button to share today's episode directly with someone you know would enjoy it. The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai podcast artwork is made by Sam Barkadari, show notes by Yishai Barkadari, and music by www.purple-planet.com. The advice and opinions of the host and guests are our own. I'm a psychologist, but not your psychologist. The conversations and content of this podcast do not contain or create any psychology practice, diagnosis, or therapist-patient relationship with either the guest or the listener. So do your own research before using anything from this podcast. Thank you for listening. Remember, our thoughts and reactions affect our actions. By listening, we can learn from the challenges others face and the choices they make so that we can make better decisions and get better results. 